Have you taken the time to unpack your career story and truly leverage those unique experiences that you have? This episode is brought to you by the Career Thrivers Do the Work course, an introspective and interactive course to help you really dig in to your past experiences and expertise to discover and leverage your unique value. Make sure you check out the course at bit.ly forward slash do the work course. That's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash do the work course course and use the code Thrive Tribe for 25% off. Now let's get back to the show. This is the Career Thrivers Podcast. We're a tribe for people at a crossroads in your career, personal life, or in your business. My name is Brittany and I spent 12 years climbing the ladder in corporate America until my mother's unexpected death. I can vividly remember returning to work and realizing that there was more that I wanted to contribute, that perhaps the life that I was building wasn't in alignment with my passion and purpose. I learned that resilience is less about bouncing back and more about how to thrive through ambiguity and transition. The aim of this podcast is to help us feel confident in our decisions, no matter which way we go at the crossroads. Let's thrive together. We are so thrilled to have Minda Hartz with us, author of The Memo. I've got my copy right here. She's got her um, shirt on. And if you aren't familiar, um, this is a book that I believe not just uh, women of color should read. This is a book that every leader should read. So it's about the story of uh, Minda Hartz. And we're going to get into that today, sharing with us how to advance women of color in the workplace. So um, if you aren't familiar, let me just intro Minda, and then we're going to get right into this conversation. So Minda is a CEO of the Memo LLC, which is a career development platform for women of color. She's the best-selling author of the Memo, What Women of Color Need to Know to Secure a Seat at the Table. She's also an assistant professor at NYU Wagner, and she has been featured on MNSBC's Morning Joe, Fast Company, The Guardian, Time Magazine, and more. Minda is frequently asked to speak at companies like Microsoft, Levi's, Google, and Bloomberg on topics such as leadership, managing diverse teams, and self-advocacy. She also hosts a weekly podcast that we want you to make sure that you go and subscribe and download called Secure the Seat. So let's get into this conversation. Welcome, Minda. Thanks again, Brittany, for having me. Congrats on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we, um, um, and I have to throw the thanks back to you for being flexible because, of course, this was supposed to be happening in Nashville. We were planning to host you here. And we're like, well, let's kind of make this a live kind of podcast episode. So, yes, we will be uploading this on the Career Thrivers podcast. So, I have to share with everyone, we kind of met in terms of on my end by accident, uh, I guess a little over a year ago um, through a mutual friend and I walk in and I, I haven't shared this with you yet, Minda, but I kind of had a little bit of, I had, I had a slight fangirl moment because I was, I was into reading your book, didn't know you were going to be there and you were just so warm with kind of sharing even how the book came about. So I was hoping we could just start with maybe you sharing a little bit about your journey to even writing the memo and a little bit about your story. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. I was, in, I think we met like in the middle of, I might have been on book tour when I met. <laughs> you were, yeah, uh, yeah, with, with Angelina, yeah. I had been on the road for like two weeks straight and I literally had just got back to town. My hair had looked disheveled. Everything was going. I had, my luggage was still with me when I, when I met you and it was such a treat. Uh, yeah, so the book came out um, last year and uh, it's just been very humbling uh, I don't call it my book I call it our book because it's a lot of similarities of 
black women, women of color in the workplace who've been othered, right? Who felt isolated, who settled into the microaggressions and the bias and, and those sorts of things. And at times probably wanted to lean out, right? Um, and so I wrote this book as a love letter to them. And I spent 15 years of my career as a fundraising consultant. And I used to, my clients were universities and colleges and nonprofits. And so I was always the only black woman, the only woman of color in the room. And, you know, after a while, you're like, it's, it, it's got to, we have to change it, right? I have to do, what am I going to do to make the workplace better than I found it? And I noticed that I had cried some of the same tears that my grandmother had cried, you know, that not much had changed in terms of equality, a few things, right? But it's not enough. And so I just said, you know what, let me start to talk about some of these issues. And um, so that people know that they're not alone and kind of shake the room a bit with some of the content. And so I'm just so thankful that, you know, many of you have read the book, it wouldn't have become a bestseller without people reading it. Uh, when my agent shopped the book around, there are five major publishers and four of them told us that this book would never sell, that there's no audience for this book. And so I am always humbled when I get a chance to talk about it because we are the audience and we know what it's like to be othered. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love this section in your book on uh, racial growing pains. It's probably the section where I was like underlining and circling and I'm like, yes, yeah. There, there's like such this um, powerful sense of affirmation when you read your book um, as a black woman, particularly. And so you are just really honest in that section about just having the racial conversation at work. What would you say to those of us who are a little bit apprehensive about talking about race in the workplace in terms of ways to go about those kind of more difficult conversations, but necessary? Yeah, they're definitely necessary. And if you're, you know, seeing anything on the news these days, you know that we can't afford to keep ourselves silenced any longer. We have to speak out on these things. But it was, um, you know, I joke and say I, I didn't wake up like this. I didn't have a Beyonce moment. It was small acts of courage to, to find my voice. It was already there. We all have it. It's just how do we want to use it and how do we want to activate it? And it's funny because racial growing pains was actually the first thing that I ever wrote uh, for the book. It was literally um, the piece of uh, uh, the ugly truth that my agent read uh, that she shopped that part around. <laughs> and um, it was very raw and real because um, I don't think that sometimes our counterparts understand what it's like to be othered and to be only right. And for me, I just always felt like I was alone, like I was fighting it, or if I even fought at all, you know, <laughs> and I think some of that is, um, we learn again to just say, oh, well, they don't mean any harm, or, you know, let me just make it work, you know, we specialize in just making things work, and, and you can't grow that way, and it's really hard to bring your authentic self to work that way, and so for me, I just want to encourage everybody to lean into that courage, it takes courage to speak out on things. And it doesn't mean that you have to get on the table and be like, you know, I said what I said. Um, but finding that way to have the conversation. And I often say it's courageous conversations. And then hopefully our counterparts will be courageous listeners. It takes two to have these conversations. But if we don't say it, who's going to say it? You know, and if we don't fix the situation, then the next woman of color, the next black woman is going to inherit what we didn't try and solve. And I know that's a lot to take on, but so many people came before us so that we can be beneficiaries of that courage. So we have to remind ourselves that it's bigger than just us. 
Absolutely. Was there thinking back a moment for you? Because I know when, when I read your book, when I hear you speak, when I'm listening to your podcast, I'm like, I mean, she's just so courageous. And so just this, it is what it is. And regardless of the audience, right? Because you speak to a lot of audiences that look the exact opposite of you in terms of just outwardly. So I guess, was there a moment where you were like, okay, I'm now is the time. Like I need to share this. I need to kind of, you know, share authentically what it's like to be the only in the workplace. Yeah, I'll never forget the day, actually. I was, uh, it was when I was in a traditional workforce and I was working out of um, (laughs) Raleigh, North Carolina, Durham, and I was walking, I literally had felt like I was at my end. I don't know if any of you have ever felt that way. (laughs) Just like, I don't know if I could do it anymore. I don't know if I can make it another hour, but I was going back to my car and I got my car, cried because I had just gone through uh, hell inside the workplace. And all of a sudden um, I turned on the radio and Whitney Houston's uh, Where Do Broken Hearts Go? And I thought, where do broken hearts go of women of color when we can't take it anymore? And And that was the moment where I'm like, Minda, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do to make this right? Think about how many other women just like you are sitting in their car or running to the bathroom trying to figure this thing out. And you've got to do something about it. And I never saw, Brittany, that I'd create a company, I'd write a book, all of those things. I never saw that in my future. I just knew I had to do something. And, and through time, I, I figured out what that was. But again, it was small acts of courage, right? Starting to tell my story. I, the first, my first act of courage was starting a blog in 2015. And I said, I'll just write about some of my experiences. And every Monday, I'll put that out in a blog and the blog grew, right? <laughs> and then a podcast. And, and so um, sometimes it's just sharing your story and that's a lot, right? Just to let someone else know that you're not alone. And I, I love that you mentioned that in terms of just the every Monday, because do you want to share with our audience in terms of like the memo newsletter, how long every single Monday you've been sharing that? <laughs> yeah, since July, 2015. <laughs> yeah, and, and that was the making of a book that I didn't know existed. And sometimes, again, it's those small acts of courage that lead you down a path that you didn't know was bigger than you, right? And no matter what I'm doing, I, you know, that memo gets out on a Monday, you know, even if it's just have a great week, you know, <laughs> I, I, that, that's where I started, you know, and that's where I, I tapped into um, my voice uh, even more getting stronger. And I'm able to do what I do because of people like you, because I can't be the only one talking about it. Right. It takes yeah. each of us saying this is a problem, right? This, these aren't isolated situations, but not only that, how do we get ahead, right? What tools do we need? So yes, there are those systemic issues, but there's also those ways that we can invest and thrive in our in ourselves. Absolutely. And I love that. I just saw kind of flash across my eyes, the word consistency, because I think even like having the business owner hat on, you're like, well, how do I kind of get over kind of this lull? And it's like, you've been sitting out every Monday, a memo newsletter for five years. I mean, just the consistency with that, you know, that it doesn't, you don't get this like wake up, like you say, you don't wake up like this, you know, you have to kind of put the work in to see those results. Uh, I love that. So you mentioned, you know, having those moments where you were kind of cried in the car and you had this epiphany when this song (laughs) came on over the radio. And I know we all can, um, especially those of us um, that are listening that in that are women of color, men of color, just the racial growing pains uh, in, 
the workplace. And so I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about just how do you protect your peace? Like you're having these experiences that feel traumatic, like you're having to put your cape on walking in, but when you walk out, it's like, you know, how do you kind of protect your, your, your mental state um, in moments like that? Yeah, you know, that's a really great question, Brittany. And I think I had to remind myself that um, this isn't normal, <laughs> right? Like the, having to, this was not part of the job description, you know, have to deal with this, have to, I mean, yes, we have bad days in the workplace and things happen, but there's a certain thing that people of color, you know, LGBTQ, uh, you know, any underrepresented group have to go through that the, the majority never will. And that's just the reality of it. And, and I think, um, it reminds me of this quote that I often like to say is by Audre Lord, beware feeling like you're not good enough to deserve it. Do we not deserve dignity in the workplace? <laughs> you know, do we not, uh, deserve some respect, um, in a voice to voice, you know, certain things without reprimand or repercussions. And so for me, you know, it's really just about, um, sharing those stories again, for people to be able to, to lean into that. And, um, now I'm like, sometimes I go off on a tangent. I'm like, wait, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was good. <laughs> totally good. So if you're just tuning in with us, you are listening in. If you're live, you're watching live. We are with Minda Hartz. She is the CEO and founder of The Memo. She's also the best-selling author of the book, The Memo, What Women of Color Need to Know to Secure a Seat at the Table. And if you're live with us, you'll notice there's a chat feature. So I know I've been seeing some chat notifications. There's also a Q&A button right next to that. So just make sure if you have any questions for Minda, we want to ask those live right while we have her here. I know some of you submitted questions via email, so we have those. We'll be asking her those as well. So Minda, tell us a little bit about The Memo. Like, so you notice this, okay, I'm experiencing this. It can't be just me. I need to do something about it. How did you get started with your company? Yeah, so I, even though the, the day that I cried in the car, um, <laughs> uh, that, that happened, but I didn't start my company, The Memo, until um, uh, two years passed. You know, again, I kind of sat and was like, well, what am I going to do with what I know, what I feel? Um, and I ended up getting another job. And um, But I still realized that I wanted to make the workplace better than I found it. And um, I really started to think through what were some of the gaps? What were some of the career um, stories that we aren't hearing, right? And oftentimes it's those one size fits all, you know, every woman goes through this top 10 reasons on why this is happening. It's like, yes, as women, uh, we do experience some of the same things. But again, there's that racial lens that we're just not talking about. And so I had, you know, been hearing so much as many of you might have heard the book Lean In. And I thought, and, and not to pick on Lean In, but so many career books, right? So many career content sites focus um, primarily on white women, even though they use the broad strokes of women. And so for me, it really was important to say, okay, I want to start this platform for women of color where we're talking about what is that preparation like? What, what are those experiences like? So you have a place where you don't have to hold it in, right? Because I think that's the part of it. It's hard to... to thrive in a workplace that's toxic and you can't even tell anybody that it is, you know, so having a space where we can strategize. And so, as I mentioned before, I started, I was still working my consultancy job and that's like, that was like 60 hours a week. I'm traveling a lot. So the only thing I could commit to Brittany was doing that memo. I'm like the memo every Monday. And then from there I built, um, along with my co-founder, uh, she came on Lauren and we said, okay, let's start doing some career boot camps. You know, what are the tools that women of color need in their toolkit? Negotiation, networking. Let's start with those, right? And so we, we ran those and we just kept building 
off of that. And so, you know, the memo was really stemmed out of Shirley Chisholm's, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair and creating these opportunities for us. And that's where the, the memo community started. And again, if you have those projects or things that you're working on, sometimes it doesn't have to go from zero to 100 overnight, right? It's these consistent steps toward, um, toward progress. And then the the community created, we kept doing the the boot camps and then built other programming along the way. And so uh, now we work still, we do the programming and we work more so with companies now um, to help provide uh, content and curriculum and programming for retaining women of color and advancing them. Yeah, so, so good, right? We always hear about the diversity recruiting, but then it's like, well, what about the culture to keep them here? That is so awesome. Talk to us a little bit about, because I know about 60% of our conference attendees are business owners and many of them are side hustling. So talk to us a little bit about kind of your path with the memo. Um, Did you go the traditional route in terms of seeking investment? Did you, you know, invest yourself kind of like what 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 was that lens yeah. like for you uh, so my thought process was originally I'm like oh yeah we'll be able to get some funding and this that and the other but um back then in 2015 um it was really hard to get funding especially for what investors would call a niche business <laughs> and so um they're like oh no you you can't make any money because you're only focused on women of color I mean we even received an offer to um, get funding if we stopped talking about just black women and women of color and opened it broader. And I'm like, nope, we'll keep investing in ourselves until something pops. Right? <laughs> and, uh, and that's what I did. I, I kept working my day job because I made, you know, really great money <laughs> at that time. And so I just kept putting it back into the business. And um, eventually uh, I was able to, to leave my full-time job, but and, and work the memo, but it took, again, it took a lot of people say, Oh, you have this book, but it took that five years. Right. And I know for some, it takes even longer. Um, but sometimes we have to be our first investors, right? We have to invest in ourselves. And I, I'm so glad I did because, um, we got to do it our way. And sometimes you don't get to do it your way <laughs> when you have different people telling you what you should be doing. And we got to do it authentic and talk about the things that we want to talk about and be true to, um, to ourselves. Yeah, that's so good. So we have a question from the audience. So you mentioned your co-founder, how important was it for you to have another person or your crew who understood and could help you in the moments when you wanted to cry in the car? Christy, that's such a great question. Yeah. Thank you for that question. Uh, yeah, you do need, you know, success is not a solo sport and you need people who are, who are there with you. And when I started the memo, I started alone, but I kept telling my friend Lauren, we knew each other from um, our academic days. And I said, you know, I can't do this by myself. I need your help. You know, and I kept telling her, dropping the seeds. And eventually uh, she saw the vision and she's like, yes, let's do it. And, you know, she's been there with me and for me. And it's, it's been helpful because, um, you know, on the days that we did have to scrape, you know, and, pay for this and still have the, you know, try to bring a speaker in or get a, a venue, you know, you, (laughs) you're like, man, this is hard, but you see how many people it's helping. Right. You know, so yes, I didn't get a paycheck for four and a half years. I didn't get paid. Neither did she. And, um, and, and not everybody has that, that option. Right. But it was a lot of tired nights. There were no days off, you know, working every weekend, like usual, like (laughs) that's what we did. And, um, but it's so worth it 
you know, in the end, when you know that um, you're helping a next, a current and next generation of people experience the workplace the way they should experience it. Absolutely. We see, I see in the chat here, Dominic said success is not a solo sport, a message. So, so true. Kimberly <laughs> says, yes, we need a tribe that will support, uplift and push us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we had another question here that I thought was really good um, to ask you. So when is the best time for our courage to resonate loudly, leading us to make a move towards our passion? Uh, in other words, when is it safe for us to make a move and preserve our financial well-being? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, one of the things for me that I did was make sure that I was saving so that even when I started to make a little bit of money on the memo side that I still had a cushion because one of the things that you'll find uh, if you haven't already is that business is stressful. <laughs> so if there's one last thing that you have to stress about, so being able to say, well, even if we make a get to pay ourselves a little bit here, um, let me take it and make sure that my nest egg is good so that I can live off of that. Um, and so that was really something that I'd say, make sure you're prepared. Just like if you were to strategize your next jump from one company to another, it takes strategy. And I think that as black women, women of color, we have so many things that we're covering. So try to make those leaps and your courage will know based off your bank account. Only you know what your bills are. <laughs> Only you know what your responsibilities are. And so, you know, um, if you have the privilege to be able to do it, that's great. But if you don't, um, make sure that you put yourself in the best position possible so that, and that's what I did, like, <clears throat> for the four and a half years, I was tired, right? But I knew that this six-figure-plus job was helping me be able to feed and, and, and grow the, my baby. And, and I'm just so happy that I was able to, and it's really back to what you said, Brittany, it's the consistency, right? There were plenty of times, even about six, seven months before the memo came out, there was a moment where I told Lauren, I'm like, God, I don't know if this is, you know, you've been rocking with me. You've been seeing the vision and don't leave until I can pay you. And like a couple, <laughs> and then a couple, um, um, months later, we got our first big, you know, client. And from there, we, we were building. And, and that's the thing, you know, find people who, who will ride hard with you and that you trust. Because <laughs> it, entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. At all, right? It's not. I know on social media, folks like to make it look real sexy, but um, <laughs> it's real out here, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> I love that. So Samantha had a great question in here about imposter syndrome. So did you deal with that um, or discouragement just in general in your journey? And how did you move past it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's something that um, for me anyway, it's a constant battle to say, okay, am I going to lean into this I don't know if any of you have ever read the four agreements, but one of the agreements is, you know, um, let your wor words be impeccable, right? Uh, and, and and it's one of those things, the words, the narrative that we tell ourselves. And that's something that even in my book that I write about empire state of mind versus enemy state of mind. And yes, there's systems that we can't control, but some of that equation is the story that we tell ourselves. And because I came from a low income background, because, you know, I had, all of these things, you know, the food stamps, this, all, all this stuff. And then coming into my first job, <clears throat> first person in my family to graduate from college, first person to work in the corporate world. You know, I had all this on my shoulders to make the amount of money that I was making, you know, and to, to help the family. And you just feel like, 
do I belong here? You know, all these forks are on the table. I don't know which one I should use. You know, like you just start to question my colleagues are going to the Hamptons for the weekend. Where is the Hamptons on the map? You know, it's like <laughs> all of these things. And you start to tell yourself that or question where you, where you come from and if you add value and then that starts to feed that monster of, well, I'm not going to speak up because I'm not as smart. I didn't go to the same schools that my colleagues went to. And it, again, even if my colleagues never said anything, they were just living their authentic life, right? I was telling myself this alternate story. And so I really had to shift my mindset and, and say, you know what, everything that got me here made me me and I wouldn't do it any different if I had to do it all over again. And I need to be comfortable with what I bring to the table because this table needs me. Every room I walk into needs me. Yes, I may have come from low-income background, and this room needs that perspective, right? <laughs> you know, like these different things. And so I really just started to have this more empire state of mind of like, they, I'm, I'm the prize. You know, sometimes we forget that we are the prize in, in the room because of the systems that <clears throat> try to break us down. And our backgrounds are beautiful, and it's our story. It's part of our story. And, um, and I just want to encourage everybody, when you do feel that way, tell yourself a new story. I tell myself a new story about myself every single day, sometimes every minute, depending on what I'm doing, right? Because I have to remind myself, like, you worked hard to get here and, 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 and own it. Now that you're here, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> yeah, you, you've, you haven't just pulled up the folding chair. You've created your own table. And I yeah. mean, it's... <laughs> It's a beautiful thing. It's definitely so inspiring. So I know you recently posted a picture. It's graduation season. Um, grad Graduations are happening in a different way. Um, and I thought it was really neat, your approach. I was hoping that you could share with us a little bit about um, just your, your childhood a little bit and like where you graduated from and kind of the road to now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I graduated, uh, I grew up half my life, I guess you could say in Southern California. Then my parents moved to the suburbs of Chicago when I was a, a, a preteen, if you will. And um, I ended up graduating from the same high school as my uh, stepfather went to and his family. And um, again, uh, my mom early days, she was a single mother. And, uh, you know, so it was really just me and her for so long. And then um and then we moved to Illinois with my uh, stepdad, who I call dad, and, and my two brothers. And it was very humble beginnings uh, for, for many reasons. And so sometimes when you're the oldest of three, you know, you grow up fast, you take on a lot of responsibility. And so I was always that kid growing up, like a go-getter. Like if you would talk to people, you know how they had like, let's go back in Minda's past. Like uh, there probably isn't anybody who's surprised that, I might be where I am, even though I was surprised, <laughs> but I was always that go-getter, you know, had my first job at 12 years old, been working ever since, um, you know, helping the family doing things. And just, that's just who I was. Even I'd see different men and women in our community, you know, who had nice cars or had businesses. I would look them up in the phone book and call and say, can I come by your office? You know, at 13, like, I want to talk to you. I want to know how you got here. Um, and, even one time I wanted to learn how to horseback ride and my family didn't have the money. And I looked up the places I called like every horse riding place in, in town. And I said, you know, I'll come and um, clean the stables if you just teach me how to ride. And <clears throat> I would get, get out there and go learn how to horseback ride lessons. And that's how I learned, you know, and even as a young girl, that's just the kind of mind that I had, like always bet on myself and don't, you know, even my situation, there's always a way to get it done. And I'm so glad, you know, back in the day, I'm like, man, this is hard, but I'm so glad I, that God granted me that, um, 
that go-getterness, that, uh, you know, initiative to be able to do things because I think um, it's really served me well, but I didn't see it as an asset back then. You know, I, I looked at all of my deficits, what I didn't have. And now I've learned to, again, tell myself a new story, look at all these things as super power strengths, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so good. And I love that someone um, put in the chat, tell, tell yourself a new story. And that's, that's so true. It's like, okay, we need to remember, remember that this table needs me. We are the prize in the room. <laughs> love it. We are loving it and always bet on yourself. Yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, so good. So I want to transition a little bit for, um, I love the transition in your book, the section, uh, the chapter about, uh, I think you call it for, for my white readers, right? <laughs> Sometimes there's this conversation when you're thinking about, you know, cultivating an inclusive workplace, making um, a culture such that women of color believe that they belong there. And sometimes that can seem like a threatening message for um, our, 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 especially white men. Um, so my, my question is, I guess, what would you say to our, you know, registrants, business leaders? I know we have some employee, um, employers that sponsored folks to be here, but they also came along to be a part of this experience as well. What is the role of, of white women, white men kind of in this conversation of advancing women of color? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, like I said before, success is not a solo sport. There's no way we're going to get to the table, stay at the table, bring more people with us if we're not all um, invested in each other's success. And I think that oftentimes we talk about the word privilege. And in my viewpoint, um, privilege is a beautiful thing, right? I'm not saying give up your privilege because you have it, but how are you going to use it? How are you going to use it not just for yourself, but for someone else? And if if black people or people of color were the majority, I would hope someone would tell us the same, right? <laughs> to use, use that privilege in a way that is beneficial to others. And so, you know, I just want to, us to have these conversations about humanizing the workforce because now we have the statistics. So I am grateful for companies like McKinsey and Lean In and, um, and others who put out the statistics. Even last week, I think it, now the weeks are running together, but Fortune came out with the CEO list, right? What, 37 women CEOs, around 7% of them are women, and none, none were Black women or Latinx women. And so that just goes to show that we need our sponsors, we need our allies, we need our success partners to use their privilege. And it's not charity. It's like, you know that there's some women of color in your organization that are working really hard. They're even your go-to people. So why aren't you creating those opportunities? Why aren't you speaking their names in the rooms that you're in? And even in this virtual environment, how we can't afford to um, eliminate diversity initiatives. We can't um, afford to not invest in our workforce uh, going forward. And so I think it's imperative that the majority realize their role in advancing people of color. I mean, just historically, we have been left behind. And if we, if you do want to be an ally, then it takes some action and it takes courage. And so for those who do want to use their privilege, I hope that you will join us and be a true success partner. Absolutely. And I know we have your colleague, Karen Fleshman, tomorrow that's going to be talking about that. How do you really move from allyship to action um, to really see see the results that we're all striving for? Mm -hmm. um, talk to us a little bit about, I, I've heard you tell this story about how sponsorship and allyship even was um, at work in 
your book and getting your book out to the world. So talk just a little bit about that story. We had a question in here. Um, did an agent approach you first about writing your book or is it something that you felt like you wanted to do from your blogging years? So tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's so funny. Uh, I, I joke around saying that sometimes I wasn't dreaming big enough because yes, I was doing the, the blogging and, um, but I didn't see it as necessarily a book, but, uh, so really <laughs> long story short, I, a couple years ago, I was on this podcast and um, the gentleman that was there, he was a, he had won the Food Network, you know, uh, All-Stars, and he was hosting a podcast, and it was talking about just kind of, you know, almost turning your lemons, like, into lemonade, in a sense, and um, he, at the end of the interview, he said, you know what, Minda, have you ever considered writing a book? And I said, no, I never have, you know, that's not, not my ministry, I don't think so. He's like, well, are you sure? I think, I think you, there's something there uh, with what, some of the stories that you're telling. And I said, no, I don't think so. And again, I was afraid, right? I didn't see that I was that person, um, even though I was building my company. Um, and he said, well, you know, if you ever want to, I'd love to introduce you to an editor. And he was a white man. And um and he was using his privilege, right? And I was being silly and, <laughs> and not taking advantage of it. And so long story short, six months had passed and I kept having these speaking engagements where people would say, have you considered writing a book? Have you considered writing a book? And um, I'm like, okay, God, clearly you're like beating me over the head with this. And so I go back to him and I say, you know, hey, with my tail between my legs, you offered something, you know, could I take you back up on that? I think I'm ready to explore. And that is what opened up the door to me meeting an editor uh, at Flatiron Macmillan, and I, I did not sign with them, but she opened up the door and she said, you know what, Minda, and she was a white woman. She's like, there needs to be more stories like yours told. She's like, if you were going to write a book, what would it be? I said, I want to write the lean in for women of color. And she's like, mm, that's interesting. And she's like, you know, there's not a lot of black women that get to write business books that get deals. And she's like, I want to help you. And she introduced me to an agent. Um, and the racial growing pains was the first thing that she read and she said, yes, I think you have a voice, you have a perspective. And uh, the rest was history. <laughs> Every time you tell that, I, I have chills right now. Um, I always have chills because I think that's such a powerful, like so often you hear, well, I don't know how I can help or what I can do. Listen, sponsorship is about being in a seat that gives you that authority and then you extend that privilege or that authority beyond you. Yep. Um, and so, and I love that in both of those examples, you're like, they didn't look like me, but they were like, Oh, let me introduce you. Let me like make this inroads, you know? And like, and that, they didn't know me, Brittany. They didn't know me. You know what I mean? <laughs> so sometimes like they put their self out on a ledge, you know, to vouch for me and to put me out there. And I am forever grateful for those opportunities. And that's why we have to lean into our courage, right? It's nothing, you know, they went on about their business, but, but they changed, they helped change generations that will see themselves in a different way from reading a book like the memo and more to come because they opened up the door, right? Yes, yes. So, so good. And we can't wait for the more to come. <laughs> but if you do not have your copy of the memo, I want to let you know if you are a VIP registrant, you will get a signed copy in your swag box in the mail. So uh, we're really excited about that. And if you are not order it right now, wherever books are sold, get your copy, make sure you read it. It's a, it's an amazing book. Yes. Yeah, Charlene says powerful story. I could not agree more Charlene. So we have a couple questions um, here in the chat. And then what I would love to be able to do, um, we have this amazing new organization here out of Nashville um, being led by uh, Miss Christy Pruitt called our truths. And so um, our truth is, 
Truth is partnering with us um, for this episode of the Career Thrivers podcast. But also, I think it just makes sense, right? Our truths, our stories. And so I want to bring her up in about five minutes here to share more with us. So we have a couple of entrepreneurship questions um, here. So a question relative to content. So how do you remain consistent and fresh with new ideas to write about or address on your podcast? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So I, my part-time job, if you follow me on Twitter, that's where I try, in, even in between things, I get fresh content from that. I'm always sourcing, asking questions, following different trends, reading um, different periodicals about pain points, right, that people are sharing. And the, and the nice thing that because of now the book getting in the hands of more women of color allies, I get a lot of emails and a lot of messages of people saying, you know, well, what about this? And what about that? And so, <laughs> so I'm always able to source. And I think that's the most important thing because I'll be honest with you. I was really nervous um, because the book writing process sometimes takes up to two years. So my book, I had finished writing it in 2017. It didn't come out till 2019. So I was really worried about staying fresh, would these things still be relevant? You know, things like that. And unfortunately, but fortunately, there's still some inequalities that are happening in the workplace, but staying consistent, you know, like people know they can find me on Twitter. I engage, you know, as best as I can and in those sorts of things. And I think, um, again, humanizing the, the experiences, talking, being vulnerable. That was one thing that I wasn't in corporate America. I thought I always had to be the strong black woman, you know, at every turn. And I realized that no one's, when I'm, when I'm cautious, it helps nobody, you know? And again, I had to, um, make sure that I'm allowing myself to be able to be vulnerable so that someone else can allow themselves to be vulnerable. Again, once we realize that, um, the consist consistency and you said it again, Brit you know, Brittany is, is what it all boils down to. It's like, decide on what your why is going to be, and it might change, but try to be as consistent with that message as possible. So, so good. So Jasmine has a question out of Atlanta. Hey, Jazz, jobbing with Jazz. Shout out to you. Um, <laughs> she says, do you experience some of the same challenges as a black woman in entrepreneurship as you did in the workplace? Oh, yeah, 100%. And, and that's why I'm always like, um, be careful that, you know, because I think there's this false reality that if you leave your corporate job or your nonprofit job that now all of a sudden racism and inequalities <laughs> don't exist. Like there's still stuff I'm dealing with um, as an entrepreneur, as a public speaker, as a, you know, a faculty member that you still bump up against. And that's why it's so important that you, that you lean into your voice so that you understand and set boundaries with where people, where you know that, okay, this is where I draw my line in the sand. <laughs> this is, you know, if I'm on my own time, then I'm not going to let you um, disrespect me in this way. Right. You know, so it really does. Um, and, and that's the thing, like, that's why I, I'm very much on the side of, you know, you've worked too hard to lean out now. If you want to go out on your own, that's awesome. I support that. But also know that may, just because that table that you're at right now may not have worked for you, there is there may be another table that's right for you, right? We just have to get to the right places. And because we put so much work in, into our careers, into our schooling. And so, you know, I don't want, my thing is, Brittany, I don't want people to get forced out of the traditional workplace. I want them to leave because that's what they want to do. 
Yeah, that's such a powerful message. I know during the conference, um, Karen is leading a session called Don't Quit Your Day Job. And that that's her message. She's like, yeah. and I love it when I was at yours. I know you have a women of, the Women of Resilience Awards. And I remember uh, so vividly, Daisy was sharing the same message. She's like, listen, you may be a, an entrepreneur full-time for two years, and then you may decide to go back into the workforce because there's a table that works for you that fits. You can do both, or you may pause on one. And I just love that uh, fluidity with which just like you're saying, like you use your voice, you make the decision that's best for you, but it's not kind of this all or nothing kind of yeah, absolutely entrepreneurship. So I love that. So we had another um, question around sponsorship. So what can women of color ask in terms of asking someone for mentorship and sponsorship? Yeah, that's a great question. And I um, actually have a whole chapter called building your squad. And I talk about that. So you definitely want to get your hands on that. But what I will say is mentorship, anyone can be your mentor. And I think sometimes we get tripped up from formalizing this thing, right? But I have so many mentors that probably don't even know I exist because, you know, they talk about a certain thing and I can latch on, I can take my notes, I can listen to the podcast, and I get this great advice. And then there's people who um, I can just tap into and we've never said you're my mentee or my mentor and, and some have been more formalized, but it's still great advice, right? Good advice is good advice. Um, but on the, the ment on the sponsorship side, I always think about you can choose your mentors, but your sponsors choose you. <laughs> uh, and, and, it, and it is like that because you, it's a relationship that you're building of some sort. And that's when they're going to, they, they know you enough that they would vouch for you uh, in this way or that they would speak your name in a meeting. And I think that's the part of where I talk about in the book. It's really important for us to get out of our cubes or in these virtual environments, show your face on screen, right? Sir, even if you got to pull the, the screen down to your eyebrows because you don't want to show your hair, like let them see your face. <laughs> let them hear your voice. I love it. You're like, give uh, us <laughs> this angle right here. <laughs> You can't show that edge today, bring the computer down. Like, but don't let people like tell you differently. Like you got to put some skin in the game so people know you're there, right? Um, if you felt isolated several weeks ago in the workplace because you weren't seen, this isn't the place to shrink, right? And so um, that's the way we find our, our sponsors. Everyone's at home right now. Ask for those virtual copies, you know, ask for advice, those sorts of things. Let people know you exist and let your managers know what you want to, because oftentimes we sometimes think people will, don't they know what we're doing all day? And the reality is um, sometimes they're not paying attention. <laughs> so it's up to us to, again, to better ourselves and make sure that we're not taking ourselves out of the game. You got to be in the game to play it. So good. So, so good. So Crystal has a question for us. Crystal is another one of our speakers. Hello to Crystal and the whole Vandy crew here in Nashville. What's your advice for women of color who recently graduated and are in the job search process during this pandemic? Yeah, you know, my I hold space for, for new graduates because I can't imagine what it must be like um, to, to be in that situation. But what I will say is you're on the cusp of something really awesome. And um, don't think that you can't secure your seat from the house. Do you not see that all these different companies are saying we're remote indefinitely, right? So if you live in, you know, Greenville, Mississippi, uh, and you always wanted to work at Facebook <laughs> or Twitter, you don't have to live in Silicon Valley anymore. You go for that job. You know, so right. many opportunities are at your fingertips right now. And so, um, you got to put yourself out there again, apply for those jobs, apply for those opportunities, 
Um, go to different events like this to put your face out there and let people know what you're looking for, because that's the way we change this thing. And I'm so excited, especially for women of color and black women, our universe is about to open up in terms of work, right? You know, the, you want to, you, you don't have to move to, you know, the Ozarks now to grab that job, (laughs) you know, to try to get, you know, for me early in my career, I bounced around to different places. I never would have lived just to get that next bump in a title. And now you can actually be at your house and apply for something. Um, And so I'm so excited. We just have to bet on ourselves. So, so good. So, so good. So while you are um, chatting about, love that. Yeah. Crystal said you can secure your seat from the house. (laughs) I feel like we've all probably had that experience of like, I don't really want to move there, but it's the next step. So, okay. Um, (laughs) So I'm going to bring on camera on screen and I want our, um, registrants to go ahead and prepare yourself because we're going to do an after conversation starting at 2.30. So I know, Minda, we'll have you for about 17 more minutes, but then we want to make sure that we keep our registrants on because we want to give you an opportunity to come on screen with us and just kind of talk about like, what were your thoughts of responses to this conversation? Kind of what are you thinking? But um, first up with that, I want to bring up Christy with our truth. So as I'm finding her in the chat here, I'm going to share with you a little bit about our truths. Um, if I can multitask and do both at the same time, we'll see if I'm that good. I'm not sure that I am. (laughs) Okay. Let me tell you about our truth. So our truth is an organization that's dedicated to providing resources and advocacy for black women who want to reach their full potential and be recognized for your authentic greatness. So if you're looking to strategize about getting deserved recognition at work or how to start the business you've been thinking about, there'll be a blog or podcast about it. So our truth is starting a publishing house that's specifically for Black women, um, as well as a speakers bureau um, for Black women. And so Christy is my, I I like to say my partner in speaking. We both have the privilege of serving on the um, TEDx Nashville speakers coaching committee and uh, doing coaching in that way. But I want to bring her up to help facilitate some of this Q&A as we are chatting with Minda and asking her all of our great questions. So I see we have another question here in the chat. So while Christy's coming up, Minda, if someone doesn't obtain an agent, do you see success in driving impact by leveraging a self-published book in the workplace? Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's a lot of ways to get your content out there. And I, and I put the question back is, what is your why, right? Because some people, they could start a podcast and never have to put out a book and get the same type of response, right? They can get the same impact. And so um, I think for me, um, it worked out well that I was introduced to people and those sorts of things. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you, you have to write a, a good book. So if it's a pamphlet, if it's an ebook, um, it depends on, you know, pitch it. I think you should always try to pitch your work. You know, if you get the opportunity, pitch your work. There's a site called Manuscript Wishlist, um, Manuscript Academy. Those are agents are there and they tell you what they're looking for. So pitch your work, get that feedback because um, if you have a certain book and I'm so glad the memo had a, a publisher because you need some of that street cred depending on if you're pushing into a space where it's not talked about a lot um, like the memo. But I think that both ways we need your work. Um, so, but I would try pitching um, to an agent uh, first and letting them give you some feedback. You never know what might happen. And then if for whatever reasons, if it happens, we're rooting for you, we're buying the book either way. Uh, but also if you can't get it that route, then know that there are, you can self-publish. And, and I've talked to some 
um, of my author friends who've had had it on both sides of the table. And um, oftentimes they say, you do the same amount of work, heavy lifting, right? So that's one thing you may not know is even if you do have a, a publisher behind you, you still have to push that thing and sell it. So it depends on, again, what your why is. Do you want that brand behind you or do you want to be in control of everything from start to finish? Uh, but I would always tell people to pitch it first because you never know what could happen with that. Awesome. Awesome. So I'll turn it over to Christy for some Q&A and feel free again to utilize the Q&A box for your questions. We'll also be keeping up with the chat as well. Hello, everyone. And hello, Minda. Hi, so, how are you? Good. Hopefully you all can hear me okay. So I have a couple of questions I would love to ask. And the first is, you've talked a lot and, and your book goes into a lot about sponsorship and, and those relationships. But talk to us a little bit also about socially and having those social connections in the workplace. I know for me, that was sometimes one of the things that I missed. I didn't have a, a work BFF always. So talk to us a little bit about your experience as a Black woman in the workplace, having that, that social interaction that you needed and how you cultivated and created some of those relationships. Yeah, that's a really great, great question. And I think for me, when I first started in the workplace, you know, the, the advice that most of us get is just keep your head down and work hard. <laughs> so, um, and that's what I did. And what I realized was everybody was becoming like work friends and getting invited to different things that I wasn't getting invited to. And, you know, when the work break room birthday parties were happening, I'm like, I don't want to be with those people. You know, I'm staying in my queue. <laughs> and, and what I realized was that things were happening after six, um, they were happening in the break room, they were happening at lunch, and I wasn't a part of it. And yes, I was working really hard and had the stats, but there was something about camaraderie and community inside the workplace that can exponentially um, supersede any hard work that you've done. <laughs> and once I got wise to um, how the workplace worked, I realized, oh, I need to be going to these workplace birthday parties. I need to be going to the community service events. I need to be going to the happy hours because that's where people are doling out information, right? And, and I started to look at, I don't have to be best friends forever with everyone at work, but I still need to understand so people can vouch for me, right? People feel like they know you if they've shared a meal with you or if they've seen you laugh or they know something different about you than um, just that your hairstyle is changing every week, you know? Yes, <laughs> yes. So it, they start, it starts to humanize who you are. You're not just the one mm -hmm. black girl that never laughs with everybody, but now it gives you uh, um, some kind of stake in the game. And for me, it really did move my career faster um, because I did share some laughs with Bob and I, sh you know, shared some um, cake with, you know, Karen and, and all of those things. And so I think that sometimes we do ourselves a disservice when we don't put ourselves out there. But again, if, if you want the seat at the table, right? If you don't want the seat at the table, you stay in your queue. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So well put. I know for me, I've never been a pet person, but I would talk about my sister's dogs because other people like to talk about dogs. So that gave us a bond and gave me a way to, to kind of enter some of those conversations. And, and like you said, it helped, get, it helped them get to know me aside from the job I was doing. Mm -hmm. So in thinking about people really getting to know you, one of the things 
I love, and I know a lot of people listening really love about your book and about you in general, is that you infuse so much of who you are and you really share who you are and share your authenticity and share your truths throughout the book. You know, you talk about how you love grits. You talk about rap lyrics and there's a line in there from the real world. And, you know, as soon as I read, I'm like, I remember seeing that I can hear, I can see Puck's face on the TV screen. So, you know, I really, really appreciate that about you. And that's something a lot of people have a hard time doing. So tell us a little bit about how did you really get the courage to, to show up as your kind of bold and authentic self and what are some ways that, that other people can get to that same point? Yeah, uh, great question. And, and for me, I really looked at this as like leaving a legacy, right? Mm-hmm. I wish that someone would have been as honest with me about some of the things that I might be come up against. And I wanted it to seem as though you're sitting in my living room with me and we're having this conversation, right? You know, we're just... Yes. We're quarantining together. (laughs) (laughs) And um, because I think so much of it is we put up airs about where we've been or we don't share, we we share only the wins, right? But I wanted to Mm -hmm. share the highs and lows of my career and what worked and share the secret sauce. And I felt like that was important because if we are going to make the workplace better than uh, we left it, we have to do some things differently. And, And some of my regrets in the workplace were that I wasn't, Bring, always bringing my authentic self to work because I didn't think I could, right? And right. So yes. Part of this book was saying, you know what? I'm going to lean into that courage. I'm going to show you who I am. Um, I'm going to be vulnerable because our life is at stake. Our career life is at stake. Mm-hmm. And it was so important for me to bring all of those facets of myself, right? You might not like rap lyrics. You might even put sugar in your grits. I, I no, 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 we're not, gonna, we're not going to claim that here. Right, I, I, don't, I don't know those people. Okay, good, good. You know, but I really wanted it to be a book where you, where we saw ourselves, a majority of us saw ourselves mm-hmm. and knowing that we can, that we do like listening to certain things. We do have certain, um, lingo that we use like even when I um so the publishing industry is primarily white and my editor yeah. was a white woman the copywriter everybody who touched the book happened to be white and you know they come back and say is this what you really meant to say I'm like yes that's exactly what yeah. I meant <laughs> to say and I really pushed for those things because it's so important that we get to bring pieces of ourselves to our work and um so much of us we've lost ourselves along the way and I wanted to just be a place where I can bring it back. And so it was also therapeutic for me, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And and I'm glad you said that I recently read, I think it's 79% of the publishing industry identifies as white. So that doesn't leave a whole lot of space and advocates for our work. So I'm glad you were able to find, find that. So one of the questions in our chat room, and I think it's a great one, um, you know, we, we all hear about the angry black woman and, and how intimidating we can be. And, and sometimes our intimidation is just we showed up and we shared our opinion and that scared someone. So talk a little bit about how you address that, how you really handle when people sort of saw you as intimidating or, or in any way sort of standoffish. Yeah, you know, I will say that for me, uh, good or bad, (laughs) um, so I'm, I guess you could say petite, and I'm short, and so no one ever really thought that about me, right, because Mm -hmm. of my stature, (laughs) so, but I was always very conscious of not being that person, right, because that Mm -hmm. was like, you don't want that mark on you, so I was so careful about not 
making anybody think I was angry or any of those things. And so I, I unfortunately, I think it was like a, a barrier because I even silenced myself because I'm like, oh, I should say something, but I'm not because I don't want to be deemed as the angry black woman. And what mm-hmm. I've learned over time was that's a narrative that was created about us and that yes. we did not write that narrative. And it's really important as we go into what I call the future of work is now, we rewrite the narrative for us. We don't mm-hmm. adhere to the labels that were put on us. And so sometimes we just have to speak our piece and not worry about what people may think of us, right? Um, because we've learned to silence ourselves at the expense of our own well-being. And if we want to make the workplace better than we left it, it's going to require us to have some self-advocacy <laughs> at some point in this journey. Absolutely. We, we have to start speaking up for ourselves, and then hopefully other people will jump in. Yep. Um, so another great question from our, from our chat room here is, you mentioned that you were a real go-getter as a child, and I love the fact that at 13, you know, you just, you would pick up a phone, and if you wanted something, you, you asked for it. So if that is not a person's sort of natural personality, do you have any thoughts or tips around how they can develop it, or is it just, you just got to do it? Yeah, you know, so even though that was who I who I am, I am very shy. And so I was always combating this thing <laughs> of being shy. And um, and so but what I realized was if you want something or as my grandmother said, closed mouths don't get fed. Right? <laughs> so, so I had to push myself um, to, to do that. And and one of the things that helped me later in corporate America was taking public speaking courses and taking negotiation courses to help me strategize when it's important to say something. Right. And, you know, recently I heard someone tell me this, they said, does this need to be said? Does this need to be said by me? And does this need to be said right now? So I'm thinking about what I need to say and how I advocate in those three buckets. Right. And so the thing for me is, no, I'm not going to speak out on every single thing at work, but those things that I go back to my desk and replay on a reel that bother me and I wake up in the morning and it's still bothering me. Those are the things I need to speak about, you know, because that's um, hindering my health and my well-being at work. Right. So finding out what are those things that are your bottom line, right? What are your lines in the sand? And, and we all have different thresholds for that. Um, mm-hmm, and so, mm-hmm. you know, start little, um, you know, Hey Bob, I, I was actually didn't get a chance to finish what I had just said, you know, <laughs> you know, like those little things. Um, and it's scary, right. And the more you you're like, Oh, I guess I can do this, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be, it could be done very diplomatically, but I think once people realize that, you know, we do have boundaries and, um, and it's okay to have them, I think, and it, to your point, it's not just me saying this, but if we all start showing that we have boundaries, then we change the dynamics, we change the culture together. Absolutely. I call those conversations while walking. It's amazing. <laughs> Even if you don't say anything in the meeting, as you're walking down the hall with Bob or, or Becky or whomever, you know, just, just keeping that conversation going, it's, sometimes it's a little easier when it's one-on-one as opposed to speaking up in a large group and, and maybe you do that enough, you'll get your voice for yes. the for the larger group. So another question, and forgive me for having to kind of zoom in, you know, as you get older, your glasses don't quite do <laughs> what they always did before. Um, so another question in our group, are any of those people who helped you sort of along the way, whether it was with your book or just while you were in the workplace, do you consider them on your personal board of directors now? Did you maintain those relationships? 
Uh, that's a really great, great question. And I think part of this success is in a solo sport. I mean, people are in your life for a reason, a season and a lifetime. Obviously mm-hmm. there's people in my life that may not be in my life in the same way that they were in my former career, but there are people on my book journey. Like uh, two weeks ago, I hosted um, a virtual writing, writer's retreat. And yes. the woman who um, helped me get an agent, she was one of the speakers, right? <laughs> you know, and, yes. um, you know, so, and I, and I think the other part to that is staying connected to people because people in my life that I met 10, 15 years ago, I still send them like a note you know, a couple times a year, just to say, Hey, I was thinking about you Wanted to let you know what I'm up to what's going on with, you know, Susie just graduated this year. Mm-hmm. How's she doing? You know, and, and that's the sort of thing that I keep tabs on people that I, that I care about or who have been, um, pillars in my life, even if we don't talk, um, or see each other physically knowing that, Hey, I'm still doing this. This is what I'm up to because I think it's that relationship building piece that really goes a long way because you don't know who in your life, um, my one of my clients from in my former life 10 years ago ended up um sponsoring something that I did in in my entrepreneurship life you know yeah. so I would have never known but that was through relationships and mm-hmm. um and I think we we owe it to ourselves to build out those relationships because again uh, you never know when you can be helpful or when they can be exactly well Brittany I know um I'm going to throw it back to you I know Minda you have a stop coming up soon so Thank you so much. And, and Brittany, I'll, I'll throw it back to you. Awesome. Thank you, Christy. And thank you so much, Minda. We are just, I mean, I don't know about the chat. I don't know about y'all, but I know me over here, like just so inspired. Like you shared so much with us. Uh, this was an amazing conversation. So thank you for your flexibility. Thank you for um, just being so open to share with us today. And in this new virtual setting, uh, Absolutely cannot wait to host you in Nashville when all of this is beyond us. <laughs> so we would love to bring you here. Um, I just threw in the chat a workbook for our post conversation. So as we transition again, if you are a VIP registrant, you'll get a copy of the memo signed. So thank you, Minda, for that. Um, and with that, Minda, we will let you um, make your exit. But thank you again for joining us and being a part of our first leadership conference. Thank you so much. I'm so proud of you. Keep doing what you're doing. We need you. And everybody, thank you so much for listening. And um, I'm rooting for everybody. So so keep, keep leaning into that courage, okay? <laughs> Thank you, Minda. Awesome. So, so awesome. So we hope you enjoyed that first ever live podcast recording with Minda Hart um, featuring our truths. Oh, and one thing that I did not get to say before she hopped off that I wanted to acknowledge, but there are three really, really amazing um four actually really, really amazing leadership development, career development, professional development companies that are making this happen, um, all in similar lanes, but all collaborating collaborating together to make this an even bigger um, experience for all of us. So the first, I want to shout out um, Real Brown Girls. If you are not familiar with Real Brown Girls, a personal and professional development organization around the country, Atlanta, New York, D.C., New Jersey, Florida, um, Los Angeles as well. Um, hopefully Nashville coming up soon. Just come throw that out there. But um, 
<laughs> but they are here with us and uh, their founder, Sable, one of our speakers. She's also on the Dream Team. I'm going to introduce y'all to the Dream Team. I did a little a slight introduction yesterday, but a part of um, the team that has made all of this happen. So shout out to Sable. Shout out to all of the Real Brown Girls community that's out there. Um, also the Memo, as you just heard. So um, Minda's organization, again, she runs boot camps. Um, she has virtual opportunities for you to connect with her as well. So make sure you check out the memo. Um, our Truths with a, an official launch happening soon, but you can head on over to yes. OurTruths.com and get connected right now. Um, I think this is unprecedented, Christy, in terms of having a publishing house and a speaker's bureau specifically for Black voices and Black stories. I mean, I think it's so, so powerful. And then, of course, we are so excited to host you all week at Career Thrivers. So make sure you check out those four amazing companies led by brilliant Black and Brown women. So shout out to all of those great organizations. I wanted to make sure I said that before um, we shifted. So I just dropped in the chat. We actually have a workbook for the conference. And so I wanted to go ahead and drop that in the chat so you can access it now because what we want to shift to is kind of like, what were y'all's thoughts? And like, we don't want to shift to it in the chat. We want to see y'all, okay? Mm -hmm. So I want to let you know how you can do that. There's a raise your hand feature that will um, signal us to bring you on camera to kind of just have like some just conversation. I almost said girl talk, but we want to invite the men on too. So <laughs> we want to invite the men to join us in the conversation as well. So you can utilize that feature. And first up, I'm going to bring up one of the ladies from our dream team, Ashley Cash. And so I'm going to bring her on camera and then Christy, I'll kick it over to you. And let's just kind of have some post the memo Minda conversation around all of the gems she dropped. So amazing. Absolutely amazing. And to echo one of the things she said first, Brittany, kudos to you. You have assembled a phenomenal group of, of people, professionals, experts, women, brilliant minds, all of the things. So kudos to you for that. Um, I think, you know, my first thought in, in regards to some of the gems that Minda shared is, you know, first and foremost, yes, amen. I have to really echo a lot of those things. And you know, prior to starting Our Truth, I worked in human resources and headed HR for longer than I care to admit and saw a lot of the situations and a lot of the things that she talked about firsthand. So, you know, having been on, on really both sides of it, so seeing it as a Black woman in the workplace, but also being in the room where a lot of these conversations are happening about the, or, or not happening, I should sometimes say, about Black women in the workplace put me in a really, really interesting um, situation. And I think Minda addressed it beautifully. And then one of the things that she said that I hope everyone really kind of caught on to is success is not a solo sport. I know people have kind of commented on it in the chat room, but that is so true. So having having those people around you, having your personal board of directors, having all of that kind of collective is necessary, sometimes just to make it through the day. So when you are sitting in your car and crying, you know who you can call and cry to. So I'm, I'm glad she had that level of, of transparency and authenticity with us. Absolutely. So Ashley, do you want to give us a little intro about you? We're super excited to have you part of this conversation. And I just dropped in the chat how the um, where you can find the raise your hand feature. It's under the participants window on Zoom. Absolutely. Hi, everybody. Hey, so I'm Ashley Cash. I'm joining you from Dallas, Texas. 
Um, as Brittany mentioned, I'm a part of the dream team, but really she is the visionary. She is the dreamer uh, leading this. And we are just all better because um, you had the courage to pivot what we know is going to be an amazing in-person event to this unprecedented um, seven-day conference to really create space and allow us as women to kind of come together um, and learn how to go forward in our careers and our businesses. So um, shout out to you. Like you, there's not, there have not been enough shout outs to the visionary. Um, but really short about me, um, I'm a six-figure resume writer, um, interview and salary negotiation expert. So basically what that means is I help women get hired and get paid. So I'm going to be speaking a little bit later um, about your resume, but today I think we just want to have some conversation about how we can um, take what we have learned from Minda and move forward. So to get the chat going, and um, I think Samantha is going to come on and ask a question, but I want to I want to ask everyone in the chat to type in or raise your hand. What's the one thing that you picked up from Minda's conversation? that you're going to take and move forward. You're going to take action on. So that's what I want to know. What are you going to take action on from what we learned from Minda today? Okay. Looks like Sable is joining. Sable, are you, are you going to introduce yourself or are you asking a question? I actually was, I was thinking, what's the answer to your question? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> I think the, the thing for me that was probably most actionable is when she said, I am the prize. Mm. And the reason why that is, and y'all, everyone raise your hand if you have felt this way. There have been situations where I have walked in the room hoping, praying, and wishing, right, for the opportunity. That they like me, that they like what I have to say, that my edges are laid down that day. Um, and the reminder of what I'm bringing to the table, the unique perspective, you know, every kink curl in my hair, the Southern twang in my voice, mm -hmm. that is the prize. Mm. And that I'm going to always, um, I've got a new venture that, um, I'm kind of brainstorming on. And there was a lot of hesitation about, you know, pitching this thing and talking about it. And that was just the kick in the pants or the reminder I needed to say, you don't need to be scared about that. You don't need to be worried if they like you or if they're picking up what you're putting down. Mm -hmm. I'm the prize. So this was awesome for me in that way. I definitely like popped in and put you on the spot, Ashley. Sorry, but that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Um, so I'm going to answer the question, but super quickly introduce myself. So I am Sable B. Um, I am in the New York, New Jersey area, and I am the founding creator of Real Brown Girls. But I think what's even a layered complexity with my background is that I do corporate trainings for many of your Silicon Valley no longer startups um, and Fortune 500, um, Fortune 500 companies specifically with senior leadership in that C-suite sector with diversity, equity, and inclusion. So listening to Menda and I was like, this is what I'm speaking towards all day long. Um, this notion of there's a reason why we're not having retention. There's a reason why 
maybe the black and brown folks can get to VP, but SVP seems to be out of the reach or EV, you know, et cetera, et cetera, depending on where you are, what company you work for. And this is not by chance. This is actually by design. Mm-hmm. Um, I think to answer your question, Ashley, what stood out to me the most because of the work that I do both in my full time and with Real Brown Girls, this notion that racism, sexism, and all the other isms do not go away simply because you decide to pivot from traditional to entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. It's still there. It's systemic. It's not specific to industry. It's not specific to job title. So although I 100% understand why some people choose to, you know, work for themselves full time in whatever capacity, however that might look. But just to be real clear, if that's the only reason why you want to work for yourself, you might want to find another reason or two because you're still going to deal with that when, you know, you work for yourself. So I think because of the work that I do, that's what stood out to me the most. Like was yellow the- flag on field. Hold up. Just, just to be real clear here, that's still a thing. Still a thing. Still a thing. I love that question was asked. So Tori said that definitely hit home for me. I am an asset and other people's strengths are not a threat to mine, but a compliment. I do belong at the table. We love that, Tori. Mm -hmm. Every room I walk into needs me. Yeah, that one gave me chills too. It's like, no, I'm here on assignment. I'm not just here like by accident or haphazard. So yeah, that one hit me too, Crystal. She says, at the same time, I have to know that I don't need every room. Mm. Hold on, let's let that. Say that one more time. Let's let that like resonate, okay? I'm gonna start at at the top. I'm just gonna read what Crystal (laughs) wrote. Mm So Crystal Clark, who, by the way, is one of our speakers. So make sure, like when I tell y'all, Listen, I don't even have to tell y'all. Um, <laughs> make sure you check out all the speakers, okay? So every room I walk into needs me. At the same time, I have to know that I don't need every room. You don't have to go to every party that you're invited to. And yes, they would certainly benefit from your presence. Yes. I, I, I love Crystal. I have known her for quite some time. You know, I, I have a saying, I often say, I'm not everybody's cup of tea, mm. but if I am, I am your Tivana and your Lipton and your Arizona and all of that. You have and fresh think, fruit. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I think we have to remember that. And just as Minda mentioned how, you know, this book was shot to five different publishers mm-hmm. and only one of them took a bite because the others didn't think there was an audience. So initially you may not be for everyone, But for the people that you are for, they need you. They need to hear you. They need to hear your voice. And they are going to double down on you and reinforce you and pour into you and all of those wonderful things. So we have to remember not to get discouraged Mm -hmm. if person A does not initially say, you know what, Christy, yes, let me bring you on board and do this. That means person B is the one you were really supposed to be with. And they're going to amplify you in a way that person A never would have. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's such a powerful part of her story because one of the things that I think is, is, and again, table for me too, it goes back to my corporate background. I was kind of surprised by, um, you know, sometimes I would just share about the memo or or share um, her book in certain circles and people wouldn't be familiar. And I'd be like, 
But then I would have to check myself because I'm like, girl, you like grew up in corporate America. That's not everyone's story. <laughs> so like, mm-hmm. yes, you latch on to her message and it's it's really um, palpable for you. But everyone, you know, hasn't had that same experience. So I but I think it's important to recognize like when you do see her on stages like Black Enterprise or, mm-hmm. you know, coming in to lean in and, and being with the CEO and having a, a fireside chat, like you see that, that the flashiness, if you will. But I think hearing about her story and how actually, no, four of the big five turned her down. It just really kind of adds to that. OK. I need to like keep pushing, you know, keep pushing, like keep being consistent because even if you're in the entrepreneurship space, you still have some of those same struggles. So I love that. Samantha. Are you surprised me, Brittany? I wasn't ready, but I'm I'm ready now. (laughs) I was a little too quick. I was a little too quick on the bring in. I got got you. Well, I'm glad that you're joining us on screen, showing your face, just like Minta talked about, Mm -hmm. like I'm here, let us see you. So what did you take away from the conversation? Wow, I took away so much, but I would say if I could summarize it into one phrase, the thing that really stood out to me is living on purpose Mm -hmm. and not for a title. Mm -hmm. And I really like that she was very specific about saying it's not about if you're in corporate or, you know, whatever your role is, or if you're an entrepreneur full time or if it's part time. Sometimes we tend to classify people Mm. and rank them by, you know, oh, if you're not this or if you're not that, then, you know, you're only, you know, I only see you here. I only see you, you know, with this much value or that much value. But I think the thing that really made Minda stand out is that it wasn't about trying to get this you know, book deal or trying to get on this platform. She was basically, she had several moments where she started to self-reflect and say, okay, how can I be of value to people in my space? And as she continued to provide that authentic and genuine value based on her experience, people started coming to her and asking for more. Mm -hmm. So um, I think just having that purpose-driven and purpose-focused mindset will really help you to, you know, achieve the purpose that you are here on earth to do. And it's not about trying to achieve a certain title or status, but really what is that assignment that you're here for? Yeah. So, so good. Thank you, Samantha, for sharing. And I just dropped in the chat, you all, I accidentally um, clicked lower all hands. So I know there were like three hands that we had going to the chat and I don't know who those folks are anymore. So if you want to click the raise hand again, we'll bring you on so you can share your takeaways with us. Absolutely. So the second part of my question was, um, and you can type this in the chat or raise your hand is now that we've you know, we've gotten these gems. I'm, you guys will learn about me. I'm about that action. Okay. So what does action look like? So we, we've recognized that we need to show up and live on purpose. Uh, we've recognized that, um, you know, we're the prize when we go into the room. Um, and as Sable mentioned, if, if we're choosing entrepreneurship as a solution to the isms, uh, we need a bigger purpose. So I want to know what, what action are you going to take from here? Because it's easy to get motivated and um, inspired by these kinds of conversations, but the true testament is what we do. So uh, I'm going to pose that to you guys in the chat. And um, for me, I'll start. The action that I'm going to take from this is uh, I'm going to be selective about who I bless with my magic, right? So almost kind of what Crystal was saying um, about 
you know, not having to go to every party you're invited to, I'm shifting my perspective from, hey, will you please, uh, you know, hire me or contract with my company and more about who do I want to work with? Who do I want to choose? Um, who gets to benefit from this magic? So that's my action step. That's awesome. Um, Ashley, I just want to want to chime in with what you just said. And one of my takeaways is really for me to be more visible myself. Mm -hmm. That is one of my takeaways. And I didn't introduce myself officially, but I am in public relations. And one of the comforts that I have always taken from doing that is that, you know, I get to promote other people's brands and other mm -hmm. people's businesses and, and getting them out into the world. And one of the things that I have really been thinking about and challenging myself is, okay, Samantha, you know, are you using PR as an excuse to hide behind the scenes, you know, a little more than you probably should. So, and this is recording too, my goodness. Okay. So I'm going to have some accountability, accountability. on showing up. <laughs> So that's mine. And, and let um, me just say, uh, when I mentioned the dream team, Samantha's on that team because Samantha, and I will say you were visible because, um, I'll say how much, short, the short of the story is when we decided to pivot, PR wasn't even on my radar. I'm like, we just got to get this out the door. And Samantha was like, hey, I would really love to be a vendor. And we started chatting and so everything that has happened in terms of um, interviews and all of the things behind the scenes with this conference has been a result of Samantha, like raising her hand and saying, hey, like, I'll write the press release, I'll get it out there, I'll do, so thank you for helping to make this happen as well because um, all of the things have been, in terms of the media, Samantha McCoy with Mission Key Communications. So, <laughs> so Dominique, I see you raising your hand. I'm going to bring you on to add to this conversation. Let's see. Oh, here we go. Make this easier. Anyone else have some action items that they're going to take after this? I saw Crystal says she's going to show up, be consistent, and understand my value. Oh, Crystal, I love that so much. I think the first step, like you said, is showing up, giving yourself permission to be in the room and feeling like you belong there. The consistency part and just, I mean, just snatched my edges talking about the consistency piece and then understanding your value. You can't communicate your value to other people if you don't see that first. And Crystal came back through and said, cleaning up that guest list. And that is a great way um, to put that right? It's, it's about who are we inviting into our spaces. So awesome. So I think while Dominique's coming on, you know, I think one of my action items and the fact that she has had a newsletter for five years mm -hmm. and she hasn't missed a, a, an episode, hasn't missed one. I was floored. I am in awe. So, you know, I think especially for those of us who are entrepreneurs and we, we routinely send information out it gets real easy to say, you know, I don't quite have enough content for this one. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get it next week and just combine the two. So I'm going to take a page from her book, even if it is that one sentence. I hope you are surviving the week and, you know, go have yourself a glass of wine to congratulate. Like whatever it is, it's getting out there. And I'm going to stick to that schedule because we don't need excuses and they're so easy to make. <laughs> So good. Kimberly says she agrees. And that was mine too. <laughs> I'm like, okay, every week, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
<laughs> hey, Dominique. Hey, this is a beautiful conversation with beautiful women full of melanin. So, yeah, like I know um, for me, like my action item is to be more comfortable and giving the message without having to have the message with people that already know about it. So I'm very comfortable talking about what working moms need to do to working moms and how to help them be more efficient. But I never talk about it on a platform like I don't speak about it specifically on LinkedIn and I don't talk about the, the things that they face and what um, workplaces need to be aware of, aware of and how they're incentivized for not changing. But I'm like, oh, why don't I speak about that? Like, I don't have a lot to say about it. I have, you know, and I don't. So I love the questions. The series of questions is, am I the person that's supposed to say this message? Is it supposed to happen today? When, you know, who is supposed to say that message? And I feel like I am called to do it. I just need to be, I'm being comfortable having conversations with people that totally get it. And I know I can help them. What about these challenging workplaces that, okay, I don't know if I can help solve a problem. So for me, it's like, I don't want to expose myself if I can't help them solve that problem if I want to open up the conversation on it. So that is definitely my action, my action item. Dominique, I love that so much because what you're describing is self-editing. And exactly like what you said, it's like, I'm good with talking to people that are automatically going to get me and usher me in and they're going to give me the amens. Um, And so for the folks that may or may not get it, I may not want to go down that path for whatever reason. And we do that in business. And should I apply for this job? Should I raise my hand in this meeting? Are these people going to want to hear what I have to say? I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to self-editing. And I think acknowledging that and knowing that I'm not going to do that anymore, that's awesome. And so if you're watching this and you're guilty of that self-edit, take the chains off. Say it. Do it. Raise your hand. Pursue it. Ooh, that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you just dropped the whole 16 bars there, Ashbar. I've never called it self-editing. I like that. Right? That's so good. That's what Candace in the chat. She's like self-editing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna have to permanently steal that. I won't even pretend it's a borrow. Um <laughs> so my career started in education. Um, I was a high school English teacher and I had seniors. I had freshmen too, but they don't count for this conversation. So, you know, senior year, you're applying to school. And it's amazing to see how so young we've already internalized the fear in hearing no. And assuming that a no is a negative consequence when consequences are just, they are what they are. And I think we as as humans have to learn that you can hold multiple truths at the same time. Like you can receive that letter from the school or back in the day from, you know, a a potential place of employment that says no, but that's not a bad thing. It just means that wasn't the place for you. Like hold Mm -hmm. that truth knowing your yes is coming. And like, so I always refer to it as don't self-select. Like don't block your blessings because you refuse to just explore the route just a little bit because what's the worst that can happen? You won't be singing your shoulda, coulda, wouldas because you'll know, well, I did apply and they said no. And that doesn't even mean that you won't go for it again. It just means in this moment in time right now, that's not where you're supposed to be. And like learning how to be comfortable with that doesn't mean that anything's wrong with you. It just means you and that thing, whatever that thing is, it just doesn't align right. 
And and there are lessons in those no's. Mm. You get so much from a no because every no helps you to then craft your your message, craft your application, whatever it may be, a little better for the next time when it is supposed to be right and going to be right. And and unfortunately, I think we as Black women, we self-edit, we self-select, we do all of that more than anybody else because we're so used to people kind of beating us down for different reasons. So, mm-hmm. so I, I, I truly, truly love this conversation. It's taking everything in me not to jump up and down. I'm like, yes, what all of them are I saying. Think. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Girl, y'all, that part, mm-hmm. that part. So I love in the chat. So Sherry says she works with college students and she realized that many of them will not try because they're afraid of no, right? Yeah, like, no cripples people. Yes. cripples us. And I think, I mean, it's difficult. I'm don't, I don't want anyone to think that I'm sitting here each time I just go for it without any type of anxiety or hesitation, Mm -hmm. but it's like, there's so much power in the tongue. Like when I think about what Christy said, it's like, okay, let's just see what happens. Let it happen. And then go, what can I take from this? If Mm -hmm. it were no, because for all we know, it's a yes. And all that stress was for no reason. The the answer to the unasked question is always no. Mm. So ask the question, try, because you never know what you're going to get from it. So, so true. Yvonne says she always tells her nieces and nephews that no is one of the viable options. Just be prepared for it. That's good. That's good. So, so. I loved how you said the the no, you ask people why they they say no. Uh, It's I know that's something I did and was very nervous about saying, um, asking the, asking a person in particular, why did you say no to the proposal? Was it me? Was it the price? I mean, I gave them vomit in the reply. Like, was it me? Was it, the, was it, what was it? And what I found out is that the company just, they were in the process of um, changing their CEO. And it so happened when we had our conversations versus when I submitted the proposal, they changed the CEO. And she said, in fact, your price is too low and we actually love your services. But my assumptions where, oh, it, it was, oh, I'm not enough. I shouldn't have proposed it this way. I did this. I was too forward. I was, you know, all of these assumptions and stories that I put in my head. And by simply asking them the question of why did you say no, it allowed me to eliminate that. Okay, these voices in my head are going to mess me up. Just like when people say no, it doesn't mean that you're missing out on them. They're missing out on you. And it's like, you just have to ask them, okay, what was it about right now? That wasn't the time. And I love that you, that you said that because it just made me think about a question that I've asked um, a company. And now I do ask people more and more. They say, no, I love asking them. Why did you say, you know, what was your reason? It can help me tweak what I need to, to work on. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Crystal in the chat says the only way to build confidence in something is by doing it. We have so many college students who have never heard no. And I also work with college students and I relish the moment to say no to them. <laughs> <laughs> Over the years, they always come back and thank me for that challenging moment. So good. So good. So Crystal, I, I share with you, she's one of our speakers, but she's the director of leadership development for the student center. I probably got that all wrong, but um, she works in leadership development at Vanderbilt University. And so uh, we're so, so excited. She's actually sharing her topic is I Am Remarkable, which is a Google Google initiative on self-promotion for women and um, and minorities um, in the workplace. So just helping you really get comfortable uh, with positioning yourself, talking about yourself, saying I am remarkable, right? Owning all that goodness that you are, you are the prize. Um, and so if you struggle with that, make sure not to 
today. I'm coming to that in just a moment as we wrap up here, but make sure starting tomorrow, you look out for that um, on-demand content. So ladies, I want to say thank you so much. I want to be respectful of our time. We're at the three o'clock hour and I truly have enjoyed this conversation from the Ask Minda to this after conversation. And let's continue the conversation over on social media. So um, in about 30 minutes to an hour or so, I'll be over there. So if you have questions, comments, make sure you uh, join us over on Career Thrivers on Instagram. And with that, just a couple of announcements before we roll off here. So if you didn't get my email, I hope you received it, but we made a shift with um, how we're coming to you this week. So just for to make sure we're clear, the platform is still up, it's still available. That's where all of the replays will go. So this replay, will make sure that that's uploaded there under Minda's talk. You will also find the agenda Agenda there. I also just sent you a workbook. So that workbook has the agenda laid out. So every day, really clearly, you can see all of the content that is available. But again, just know we had some technical difficulties earlier. So we'll do all of our lives via Zoom. And actually, we'll be right back in this room. So same exact link for you for tomorrow. Speaking of tomorrow, tomorrow is our session on allyship. So we talked about what does it mean to be in a woman, a woman in the workplace, a woman of color? How do we advance women of color? Tomorrow, we have um, some amazing women, um, a woman out of California that works with tech companies. She's the author of the book, White Women We Need to Talk, Doing Our Part to End Racism, Karen Fleshman. And then we have three really amazing Nashville local Tennessee leaders that all, in fact, work um, in the political space in some way, shape, or form. So we're going to have this conversation about advocacy through the lens of civic engagement because you know we truly believe there's this aspect of responsibility as leaders um, for us to be civically engaged now to the level that you you're comfortable but um, we think that that's so important and so we're, we're so excited to have Courtney Rogers uh, Brenda Gad and then we will also have Zulfat Suara who is the councilwoman at large here in Nashville and she's actually the first Muslim woman to be elected to office in the state of Tennessee so whoop, whoop. Have another power-packed session tomorrow starting at 5 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. It'll be from 5 to 6.30, so you do not want to miss it. And all of our on-demand content listed as replays on the platform will be loaded tomorrow, by tomorrow. So just make sure you stay tuned to that. Um, I had a giveaway. So I had one but I'm gonna give two. So Samantha and Dominique, we have a signed copy of the memo for you packaged with some amazing cupcakes that will come in the mail to you, um, Samantha, from the cupcake collection. Dominique, I can get you yours right here local because you're here in Nashville. <laughs> so we'll do that for you, but um, we will make sure that you get that giveaway for being the first two to show your face. So make sure we've got giveaways all week, stay engaged, stay connected, and we will see you on the next session. Take care, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and I would love to continue the conversation with you over in our Facebook group. So make sure you search the Career Thrivers podcast and join us there. And also, if you haven't already gotten the keys to our Thriver Vault, then make sure you go to careerthrivers.com, click on the podcast tab, and at the top of the page, you will see information about the Thriver Vault. That's free tools, free resources, free mini masterclasses to help you take all of this good information and inspiration and put it to action because we know it's the implementation that leads to the real results. So thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the Career Thrivers podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, let's thrive together. Take care.